Hey, man, is that the Rock News Weekly Podcast? Yeah, man. Well, turn it up, man. This is Rock News Weekly. Every week, we bring you all the latest headlines in rock, metal, indie, grunge, alt, and classic rock news. This week's new releases, this week in music history trivia, movies, pop culture, and more. Now on to this week's episode. This week on the Rock News Weekly Podcast, week of April 17th, season 5, episode number 15. This week we talk about Eazy-E may have recorded tracks with Slash from Guns N' Roses before his death. Sammy Hagar headlines the newly announced 8th annual Acoustic for a Cure charity concert at the Fillmore in San Francisco. Kiss has to stop the show as Gene Simmons falls ill on stage at a recent concert in South America. Howard Stern calling out Kid Rock for his recent Bud Light tantrum and more. Plus this week in Rock and Roll History Trivia, Weekly WTF, and so much more. All of our links are up right now at rocknewsweekly.com. Watch us live every Sunday around 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time at twitch.tv slash rocknewsweekly and on demand, youtube.com at rocknewsweekly. All right, it's time for the Rock News Weekly Podcast. What's up, everybody? Chris here hanging out with David. What's up, David? Hello. How's the week going? It's been a long week, yeah? Yeah, it's been long. Had a, had a nap, though, so I'm, I'm feeling chipper. You're, you're charged up. Yeah. You got the batteries recharged. Yes. Let's get into the prep for this week. Let's talk about the the topics of this week, April 17th, 2023, Season 5, Episode number 15. So we're talking about some um, interesting ones this week. Easy e May have recorded tracks with Slash from Guns N' Roses before his death. Some new info came out about that. We'll talk about that. Uh, Sammy Hagar headlines the newly announced 8th annual Acoustic for a Cure charity concert at the Fillmore in San Francisco. Kiss had to stop their show uh, recently in South America as Gene Simmons uh, fell ill on stage. Howard Stern calling out Kid Rock for his Bud Light tantrum. We'll get into that. All of our links are up. Rocknewsweekly.com every week, guys. For $3.99 a month, you can support us directly. Anchor.fm slash rocknewsweekly slash subscribe. Well, watch us when we go live. Twitch.tv slash rocknewsweekly. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, all at rocknewsweekly. All right, that's it for uh, the shout-outs. Let's get to the tour news. Avenged Sevenfold announced a second leg of their Life is But a Dream tour. We talked a couple weeks ago about their tour for the first leg. Now this seems to be, um, I guess, Florida, North Carolina, Georgia, Tennessee, Montana, um, or Missouri, excuse me, uh, Denver, and Utah. So these are all in September. If you guys, oh, and then we got some in October. West Coast dates kind of lining up with Aftershock. Um, We have a Chula Vista date in California. That's the only other California date you're going to get. Otherwise, you got to check them out at Aftershock. Um, Their first performance there ever. So that'll be kind of cool. So there you go, Ven Sevenfold fans. Tour uh, news, this was a cool... They do this every year. They've been doing it for about eight years now. Um, and it it's all to benefit the pediatric cancer program at USCSF at the uh, Children's Hospital there. So Sammy Hagar and Bob Weir. Bob Weir from the Grateful Dead. Sammy Hagar, of course, um, headlining along with Michael Anthony, Chris Isaac, Vic Johnson, Taj Mahal, Don Wass, Nancy Wilson at the Fillmore. One night only, Saturday, May 13th. You guys can check it out. It's all for a good cause, all to benefit that children's hospital. They're going to be doing a bunch of cool, like, covers. They always do a bunch of cool uh, cover tracks and stuff. It's a good time. So it's already on sale. just went on sale this past Friday. Uh, So acoustic for a cure. There you go. All right. So this week, this was a headline on Monday. 
Gene Simmons had to take a break and actually play sitting down, as you can see in the photo there. Uh, he's sitting down on stage playing his bass. Um, he was in Manaus, Brazil, on Wednesday night, April 12th. And Gene Simmons fell ill during the performance. They had to take a break. And I have actually some video footage here I'll show you guys um, of Gene Simmons on stage kind of dealing with that. So let me pop this up so you guys can check this out. Here it is. You guys can watch on twitch.tv slash rocknewsweekly for everybody listening. If you want to check out this video footage, here it is. So what do you think of this, David? We've got Gene sitting over there. So we'll just uh, pause it there. What do you think of that? That's that's depressing. <laughs> Pretty crazy, right? Yeah. Kind of sad. Um, it shows, uh, you know, to me, it's evidence of why these guys are on the final tour. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of instances like this. Uh, let's watch a little bit more of it. Uh, take care of him. He's just sitting there, just emotionless, basically, yeah, just sitting just... there, taking drinking some water. Certainly for a band like Kiss, you've been doing this. All right, so, yeah, basically um, what, what they were saying was the uh, the weather there was really, really hot and well, humid. I, yeah, I can imagine they're in those clothes. Yeah, and they're in those. and. Right, the whole getup, right? And that's what he's drinking water. Okay, that, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, so apparently um, it was uh, over 80 degrees in Brazil and very, very humid. Yeah, with that humidity, 80 degrees is just... Yeah, pretty gnarly, especially yeah. when you're in full costume like that, the way that Kiss does. Um, so, yeah, um, you know. Get, all right, all right. I can, I can see that. So it's I not just like that. he's getting old. It's just he's, it's, he's getting old and the humidity, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, at first I was thinking, gosh, that looks just bad. I mean, he just doesn't look like a knight in Satan service, really. <laughs> right, right right there. He looks like a... He looks like a Kind of like an evil uh, small Santa Claus yeah. like, sitting in a throne. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, so, yeah, definitely, uh, you know, that humidity, it'll, it'll kick your ass if you're over yeah. 70 and, and on stage in full. Shoot, it'd probably get me. I'll yeah, I know, you. right? <laughs> probably get me pretty good. All right, this was an interesting story this week as well. Uh, check this one out. Guns N' Roses uh, supposedly uh, recorded some tracks with Easy e um, there were several complete collaborations between NWA's uh, late Eric Eazy-E Wright and Guns N' Roses. So this new um, information came out. Rock the be- RockThemBells.com uh, spoke with Eazy-E's longtime friend and associate, Arnold Big A. White, who shed light on the unlikely team-up, recalling, There's unreleased music still out there. We know for a fact that he had two or three, four reels in his car when he went to the hospital. Those reels came up missing. He had songs with Slash from Guns N' Roses. He had songs with Guns N' Roses on those reels. Uh, he went on to explain that the elements to the collaboration remain strewn all over the place. He says, quote, Those reels have been found because they wound up in Canada. That's a whole other story, but what happened to them, I don't know. 
I don't know if the estate got them, but there's uh, but there is unreleased music, and rapper and producer Yella has some. I know for a fact there's some unreleased acapella vocals, and he was working on some records with a couple of producers I work with, and last I heard that they were up in Dre's studio. So uh, what do you think of all that kind of information, that maybe there's some recordings out there that people are sitting on with Easy e slash Guns N' Roses, and somebody out there's got those uh, recordings. So I was thinking two things. Number one, man, I'd, I'd really like to hear it. <laughs> right. The second thing is, you know, when we were, at least when I was like a junior high kid that was starting to become aware of music more and more, yep. there were these big divisions in my mind, right? That there was, you know, there was rock, there was alternative there was punk, there was hip-hop, right. there was rap, right? And, like, never a twain shall meet, right? They had to be separate. And I think a lot of people, they, they identify in a certain way with a certain type of music. Right. And really the truth of it is, is, like, good musicians are interested in one another. And they're interested in collaborating and creating. And, you know, you, you get to... Looking at someone as different as Easy E and Slash, mm-hmm. and you realize, hey, you know that because you know you think about it now. There's a lot of this collaboration. Right, people peg it as some sort of like a new thing, but it's not. But back then, like the first one was Aerosmith and Run DMC, Walk yeah. This Way, yeah. and then this maybe to me is almost the '90s version of that. Like Easy E along with Slash and Guns N' Roses, they were the biggest rock band of the '90s in that early time, uh, and you know. They were the biggest hip-hop group at that time, yeah. NWA. Uh, so for them to do a collaboration definitely makes sense in the history of, of the music canon that you're looking back on. But you're right. It was one of those things where it was like a very unexpected, like, mainstream was not uh, accepting of that at that time. Yeah. And it was very against the grain and kind of like Very categorized yeah. at the time. Yep. So, yeah, it would have been... Really cool if that would have saw the light of day, and who knows what kind of impact that would have had. You know? yeah. Uh, yeah. And so now I, I really would like to hear that kind of stuff and throw it in context from that era. Uh, it, I think it would be really cool. So whoever's sitting on those, Yella or Dr. Dre, whoever, man, fucking release them. Quit, quit sitting on them and hoarding them. I'm sure there's some kind of legal legal stuff going on there. But, Come on, uh, doctor. You know? Write us the prescription. <laughs> That's right. For easy E and for an easy E and a side of of slash. All right, so we got some more news. Uh, Foo Fighters, we're probably going to hear about this next week um, or this coming week, as you guys are hearing this podcast. But on Wednesday, this past week, on April twelfth, Foo Fighters shared this cryptic message here that said, "Are you thinking what I'm thinking?" And that was it. It was a picture of that white kind of background with v- barely visible letters. And one of the first ones to respond on their official Instagram was Jack Black. And he says, I think so. <laughs> and we, uh, a lot of people were excited that maybe a new album is going to be coming out. Um, I don't know. What do you think yeah, with something like this that Foo Fighters posting? Well, I'm, I'm sure hoping they're not thinking what I'm thinking about usually. <laughs> but, um, that yeah, that sounds good. That that does. that does. I mean, it's got to be something like that. Right. Right. They they wouldn't put something out that that cryptic and not follow it up with something good. And I feel Especially like, with the whole graphic and everything. I know. I feel like it's definitely planned as part of something. I think it's maybe part of an album um, theme or theme uh, or thinking something. You know, maybe that's the title of the album. Yeah. I don't know. Um, we'll see. 
uh, in the coming weeks. It's been, uh, you know, kind of a, a rough time for the Foo Fighters dealing with uh, the passing of Taylor Hawkins. Uh, a new drummer has not been announced yet. So I was speculating with this new album, I think it could go either two ways. Like they're going to have the new drummer right off the gate that they've been secretly recording with, blah, blah, blah. I was also thinking it could be possibility that the new album is going to feature a bunch of guest drummers. On each track, it could be a new drummer, like mm. a drummer from another band. Say they got the drummer from Avenged Sevenfold, they got the drummer from whatever, um, the Mars Volta, all these different bands that they could have a guest drummer on the album for the Foo Fighters' first album back. The reason why I'm thinking that, it reminds me of there was a, uh, a band, they're, they're called Government Mule, and Warren Haynes, a great guitar player, blues guitar player, they had a, their bass player died in Government Mule in the late 90s, and their first album back featured a guest bass player on all of the tracks. And the reason why I heard about that was because Les Claypool from Primus at the time did a track on that album. And I'm like, who's Government Mule? And the only reason I heard about it is because I was a Primus fan, and I was like, oh, Les Claypool's on this new album. i got to check it out. And so I think it would be kind of a cool thing if Foo Fighters did something like that, but at the same time, I don't know if they're going to, you know, I don't know if that's their style. What do you think? Do you think they're going to have a new drummer right off the bat with this new album, or do you think they're going to do something kind of creative and different? Well, I mean, what makes you say that you're not sure that's their style? Because, I don't know. They seem... I think it's a very specialized, kind of almost a, a tribute type of thing to do. I, I wouldn't say that it's their style. They, they You know, like the, 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 the show they had, they had all the different people come for the Taylor Hawkins tribute, right? But they didn't have, like, a lot of drummers show up. So the Taylor Hawkins tribute shows... It wasn't like they had the drummer from this and that and all these different drummers show up on the show. So to me, they, they had a bunch of other type of guests, like guitarists and other things. They had Taylor Hawkins' son on the drums. That was the only other drummer that I can think of that they had. So I don't know. I feel like they kind of – I'm thinking he's taking a page out of like Nirvana's book that um, – they could have had a bunch of people come in for when Nirvana had that situation where Kurt died. They could have had a bunch of guest people come in, uh, do different stuff, for the, and never had a new album from Nirvana after that, right? So to me, I don't know. I feel like maybe that's kind of a uh, touchy thing with Dave. Yeah, could, uh, sort of a... Like replacing, replacing somebody. Replacing someone is a really... Um, and to do some sort of like song and dance with it might be a little bit irreverent or something like that yeah so I'm, I'm, that. I'm interested to see what's going to happen with it because i i i, I want to see how they're going to handle it um so i don't know so we'll see but uh it's interesting they're definitely teasing something something is going to happen we'll see soon enough pearl jam uh releasing something for um record store day and this is a kind of a cool history behind this um live album so we have a picture here on our twitch Twitch.tv slash Rock News Weekly of the Pearl Jam live CD from Best Buy. This is from the late 90s, okay? So this is one of the ones that survived. Survived what? Well, 50,000 of these Pearl Jam live CDs were pressed back in 1998, right? And the CDs were recalled, and they were destroyed by Sony. Supposedly, this promotion 
This idea that they had was not cleared by the label and or the band. Of the 50,000 CDs pressed, most copies were destroyed, and it's rumored that Best Buy threatened a $10,000 fine for each unreturned disc. Despite that, a number of copies surfaced over the years. It's impossible to determine exactly how much of them survived, but they guess around 250 to 300 of the 50,000. So now it's coming out for Record Store Day on uh, 22nd of April this month. 15,000 double LPs, 4,000 CDs, and it's the same exact promotional CD, but this time it's not being destroyed, <laughs> and it's uh, part of Record Store Day this year. Dang so. it, they're going to drop the value of those ones that survived. <laughs> yeah, major, right? So I was thinking this is like a double print buffalo head or whatever. Like yeah, the buffalo penny. nickel or whatever. <laughs> buffalo yeah. nickel. Yeah, no, but I mean, the, that Pearl Jam, if you had a Pearl Jam live CD from this era, of, of they would be super rare. Probably yeah. hundreds and hundreds of dollars, maybe thousands. I don't know what it would be worth. But now that they're doing this, it's a way of kind of um, giving the fans that music that they want and then also kind of cutting the scalpers out of it and the people that are bootlegging this. So I'm a big fan of, of bands that do this kind of stuff. Pearl Jam's one of those ones. That they they see like what's either selling for a lot of money or trending or underground in their catalog, and then they officially they go back and officially release it. So I, I do like that, um, and it's pretty neat the the history of that CD. I had no idea about that. Yeah, I'm not real clear. Like, what exactly? What, what did they recall about it? It was supposedly it says it was not properly cleared with the label. I'm guessing that's what it was. The band decided it was a good idea. We have a live recording. Let's put it out. Uh-huh. And then the label's like, whoa, wait a minute. No, this isn't part of your record deal or something like that. Uh, like Stinkers. And, yeah, and maybe they couldn't find a way to get royalties or, you know, whatever from it properly. And, uh, yeah, so they just recalled it. Who knows? I well, I like know. that. I like that cover. It is a cool cover. And, uh, you know, that album, Yield, it was okay. It wasn't definitely, this is not like, I wouldn't say this is Pearl Jam's best work either. By, by a long shot. But it's an interesting, cool era of Pearl Jam because they were just coming out of their heyday in the 90s and they were trying to get into some new stuff and try and go in a different kind of direction. It reminds me a lot of Green Day around that time with Nimrod and some of those um, other later albums, Warning, that um, maybe weren't the best, but it was them trying to break out of their mainstream, mainstream success and trying to do something that they could still be happy with. So... Pretty cool little era of Pearl yeah, Jam. Yeah, very nice. I like I, li- I like new things. Yeah. So check that out. Record Store Day. Uh, Seven Dust announcing their 14th studio album. It could be their last. It's called Truth Killer. It's coming out on July 28th. They got a new single out. It's called Fence. Uh, track listing, we don't need to hear that really. But uh, what you need to remember, July 28th, new Seven Dust album. They have all the pre-orders going on. Deluxe editions, vinyl, all that cool cool stuff. So if you guys are Seven Dust fan, it could be their last album. I don't want to say it is, but I have a feeling it might be. All right, Ghost. Pan, uh, Phantomime. This is their covers EP. Uh, limited edition, worldwide, uh, 1,000 copies of this uh, for Record Store Day. Sky Blue LP. Um, he did a, a bunch of cool covers on this one, though, that I, yeah. I like on there. See No Evil from Television, Jesus He Knows Me. Kind of talking about the televangelists of the late 80s and early 90s from Genesis. Hanging around from the Stranglers, Phantom of the Opera from Maiden. Uh, some cool stuff. Even the uh, from the uh, Thunderdome 
Tina Turner, We Don't Need Another Hero off of the Mad Max soundtrack. That is a unique selection there <laughs> yeah, from really. Tina Turner. Uh, so some uh, it's a pretty cool cover of, of covers, right, of, of bands there. Oh, yeah. I think that's pretty neat. Uh, coming out on May 18th. So I also like the, uh, the, the album cover there. They do. It's a nice yeah, illustration. It's, it's, it's in That's theme. like a sort of a yeah. mechanical pope yeah. of sorts. Yep. Uh, they, they have like a theme to a lot of their album covers too, and it seems like it's kind of going along with that. So pretty neat there. Coming out May 18th from Ghost. All right, Getty Lee from Rush publishing his autobiography. It's called My and Life from Getty Lee. And they released the photo and the artwork coming out November 14th. And uh, Lee basically said about it, quote, There were some shiny silver linings to be found at home, teaching my grandson the finer points of baseball and bird watching, tending to my pups, one of whom was quite ill, and spending evenings with my lovely better half, glass of Armagnac, I don't know what that is, some kind of alcohol, in hand as we watched every European mystery show ever produced. Oh, and another thing, I began to write, words that is. Lee went on to explain that the long shadow of Rush drummer Neil Peart's 2020 death played a uh, big part in inspiring the upcoming book. He says, quote, my friend and collaborator on the big, beautiful book of bass, that's his other book that he's uh, written, Um, Daniel Rickler, saw how I was struggling in the aftermath of Neil's passing, tried coaxing me out of my blues with some funny tales of his youth, daring me to share my own in return, so I did, reluctantly at first, but then remembering, oh, yeah, I like wrestling with words. So there's Getty Lee's uh, new book. Sounds kind of cool, right? It's got to be tough coming out of the passing of a band member and trying to figure out the right way and right way to kind of say what you want to say, I guess, about everything. I have to say, if, if that is any kind of sample. I know. That's nice. I like mm-hmm. I like hearing that. Mm-hmm. I think he's, uh, he's a good wordsmith, yeah. that Getty Lee, and I think it would be a good read. All right, Blink-182, um, they were part of the Coachella lineup this weekend. Have you uh, been checking out the live stream at all? Mm-mm. It's live streaming this weekend for free, YouTube.com. Coachella next weekend as well for uh, weekend two. But it was a surprise announcement on Wednesday night. They announced that Blink-182 was going to be there. And they were playing one of the smaller stages, the Sahara, on um, Friday night. We caught a little bit of the, the set. We caught the last three songs. Um, and... Travis was drumming? Travis was drumming. He looked perfectly fine. So, yeah, no idea there with what's going on with all that, but he looked perfectly fine, and he was drumming his heart out. So, yeah. Maybe because we were talking about the Kardashian curse, and that, but they, they actually got married, though, right? They got married three times. Yeah, right? I My, my wife was looking the at The new that. series they, is out. Like, they have a Hulu series. Yeah. Vegas. Vegas, and then we and went to Santa Barbara, Santa Barbara and, and then um, and, and. like some um, destination uh, place like Fiji. Oh, Italy. Yeah, yeah. there you go. There you so go. maybe <laughs> the Kardashian curse is lifted once you actually marry them. Ah. Because usually it's like guys that, that don't marry them. Mm-hmm. It's like uh, the Little Mermaid. Right? Or something He'll along those lines. Yeah. He'll get his yeah. thumb back. Yeah. He'll get his <laughs> thumb back. Thumb back. <laughs> That's how it happens. Yep. All right. Yes. All right. We're not going to focus too much on this, but I did want to mention it because I thought Howard Stern was a good guy for kind of bringing it up. Uh, Howard Stern speaking about the uh, backlash Bud Light received for teaming up with influencer Dylan Mulvaney, 
This comes after Kid Rock shared a video of himself shooting cans of Bud Light with a semi-automatic weapon in protest of the partnership. After the country music singer Travis Tritt issued a statement saying he's boycotting Anheuser-Busch. Um, so Howard Stern went on his show and definitely speaking his mind. He says, I thought there must be another part of this story that I'm missing, Stern said on a recent episode of his radio show. He said, quote, I'm not bothered by gay people or trans people. They don't impact my life. They don't hurt my life. I love when people are in love. You want to be a woman? Be a woman. You want to be a dude? Be a dude. Be whatever you fucking want. As long as you ain't hurting anybody, I'm on your team. I wish I could call Kid Rock and have him come on the show and just tell me, why are you so upset about this? How is it hurtful to you? I don't know why he got so upset. So, yeah, that's a that's a big thing now. All these like uh, that. This is this is just so beyond my understanding. I don't understand it either, man. It's this like transphobia, weird like stuff what, going on. What? And he's blowing up. He's shooting the Bud Light. Yeah, he got an MP5 submachine gun and purchased three uh, like thirty packs of Bud Light, put them on a table, and <laughs> shot them all with his gun. <laughs> He's like, yeah, but like, this is what I think of you sponsoring this person, and he like shoots them up. And now, f you, Bud Light. Like can you like, can you, can you just remind me, like, what is Kid Rock doing lately? <laughs> Absolutely what, nothing. Is this what he's doing? Lately? Staying relevant by doing stuff like this. I mean, I know that. I mean, we throw. He's in there with the new metal, right? Ish. No, I, I, he's era? more country. He's, he's like country. Now? He's like a country guy more than he is rock. I okay. would say yes. Okay. He, you know who he reminds me of? That's a good comparison. Aaron Lewis from Stained. Oh, okay. So he's yeah. Okay. He, he was a rocker in the '90s, and, the, and then switched over. Now he's a country guy, and he's kind of like you know. Well, he's got, got a whole, he has a MAGA hat on. I, there. Yep, and he's got Look his whole that. yeah his Look whole persona that. with that. So so I guess it's just kind of his in his job description. So <laughs> it's part of his this job, is part of the deal. <laughs> but here's a, a good thing: at least uh, Offspring and some other bands are stepping up to support Anheuser Busch. Uh, Noodles from the Offspring tweeted on Thursday. We're going to be adding Anheuser-Busch products and Jack Daniels to our hospitality rider just to piss off a bunch of dim-witted bigots who fear what they don't understand. Hell yeah. <laughs> I know a shit ton of artists who feel exactly the same, and we all drink a lot, end quote. So I thought that was great from Noodles of the Offspring, kind of supporting them and just being like, you guys, you know, what? what is this, you know? So. Right? Well, I mean, you look at this sort of thing, and it's like... Uh uh, you know, it, it, just like what Howard Stern said, you know. Yep. Just How is this hurtful? Just let people. Why are you so upset about it? Do, yeah. You know. I, I don't did, it. They don't. They don't know anyone that 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 is trans and doesn't don't have like any people that they love. I don't know, are, man. You know? It's 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 weird. I guess not. I guess not. I don't know. Gosh, it's crazy. Let's move on though. Uh, we got lots to talk about for the rest of this episode, including some birthdays this week. So let's get to those birthdays. Birthdays this week. All right. David, take it Jack away. Jack Cassidy, bassist of Jefferson Airplane and Jefferson Starship and Hot Tuna is 79. 79. That's a nice little, uh, yeah, okay. Jimmy Destry, keyboardist of Blondie, is 69. John Kay, lead singer of Steppenwolf, is 79. Um, Richie Blackmore, 
Former lead guitarist of Deep Purple and Rainbow is 78. Linda Perry, singer and songwriter of Four Non Blondes, is 58. I think that's Pharrell's hat that she's wearing. That is <laughs> because she's happy. <laughs> Do you remember that hat that he wore for yeah. at the Grammys? And it was like this big, like, uh, like a forest ranger hat that will, and that's what popularized it for all the young ladies going right. to uh, wine tastings in Napa Valley. Yes, right. I think that's where she's playing. It looks like <laughs> she has her child singing the vocals there. That's great. Very good. Uh, Dave Perner, frontman for Soul Asylum, is fifty nine, and he looks about like he looked thirty years ago. He does. He just looks like a little more disheveled and maybe sad. Runaway train. <laughs> He's still sad about that runaway train. Right. Uh, Jason Chef, singer and bassist of Chicago, is sixty one. Yeah. John Bentley, bassist of Squeeze, is seventy two. All right, so we got some trivia. Let's get to that trivia. It's time for some trivia. Let's do it. This week in rock and roll history. Trivia. All right, this week in rock and roll history trivia, tying in some of my favorite things here. This week in 1939, John Steinbeck's novel about the Great Depression, The Grapes of Wrath, was first published. Which band artist below originally wrote a song with a title and lyrics that makes reference to one of the main characters in the book? Is it A, Bob Dylan, B, Woody Guthrie, C, Bruce Springsteen, or was it D, Train Hopping Crosby and the Cocaine Scab Skitters, <laughs> Scab Skitters, David Crosby in the 1920s Dust Bowl era overalls with his jug band of labor union scabs <laughs> eating pe- peaches from the fields of Salinas, and then his entire band gets the Skitters and have explosive <laughs> diarrhea on stage. That Wait, is a, first, explain what the Skitters... The skitters is what you get when you eat unwashed fruit as you are picking fruit from the fields. It was uh, it was a, a very a very nice chapter. I think it d- got a whole chapter devoted to the skitters. They got the skitters in, in the grapes in the of grapes wrath. of wrath. I can't remember that part. And the skitters was what the poor people who were working in the fields they would get hungry, and they would eat some of the oh, fruit. Oh, so I guess I guess it's not as funny as that. No, it's it's actually very <laughs> sad. It's it's actually very sad. Yeah, it's terrible. Uh, but you know, damn you, David it, was, it was part of that part of that era. Part of yeah. That era. Um, I'm gonna guess Woody Guthrie. Woody Guthrie. That is. A I'm, good I'm guess. gonna guess Woody Guthrie. Woody Guthrie, right around that era, right, 1939. Who was the first one to do it? And, and isn't there? Yeah, would be absolutely. I was correct. thinking Tom Jode. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so Tom Jode parts one and two. Woody Guthrie. On his Dust Bowl Ballads album that he released. But Bruce Springsteen did it as well. well. well, well. In 1995, Bruce Springsteen did The Ghost of Tom Joad. And then that was covered by Raging Against the Machine. Oh. The Ghost of Tom Joad. Uh, in their 1998 album, Live and Loud or something, I believe. Uh, and I, I, I would like to say that I like this as um, Picasso's like um, blue... Blue period. Yeah, that that picture uh, or the the picture, um, the artwork of uh, the Spanish Civil War. I think. Oh, like oh yeah, Guernica. 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 I think that's maybe what this is. Maybe kind of the art, similar style artwork. I kind of like that. Kind of neat. Uh, so yes, uh, John Steinbeck in popular 
culture in rock and roll. Uh, very good. Very stuff. good. I love what he got through, too. All right. It's time for some new rock and metal album releases for this week of April 14th. David, are you ready? N- I'm never ready. Well, but I will get do ready. It. Go. 1782, Clamor Luciferi, Archon Angel 2, Atreyu, The Hope of a Spark, Biohazard, Urban Discipline, No Holds Barred, Black Orchid Empire, Tempest, uh, Veritas. Uh, Dog Himes Guard, Black Medium Current from Fall to Spring Rise, The Hell Freaks, Pitch, Fork, Su- Pitch Black Sunset, Holy Moses, Invisible Queen, Hollywood Undead, Hotel California, Infected Rain, The Devil's Dozen, The Infinity Ring, Nemesis and Nativ- Nativity, Jesus Peace, So Unknown, L.A. Guns, Black Diamonds, Lucifer Star Machine, Satanic Age. Oh, man, I didn't even come close today. All right, well, who do we got left? I think I'm just a little laid back from my nap. I know. You weren't ready. Okay. Not not on my game. Uh, okay. Who's left? We've got, uh, did I say Magnus. Lucifer Star Machine? Magnus. Okay, Magnus Carlson's Free Fall, Hunt the Flame, Metallica, 72 Seasons, Mike Tramp, Song of a White Lion, a Song of White Lion, Morta Scold of Dying Remains, Overkill, Scorched, Poison Ruin, Harvest, Void Ceremony. Threads of Unknowing and Zozabra <laughs> Savage Masters. Hey, oh. there's not not very many like uh, festering ooze yeah. pustules or anything <laughs> right. in that in that list. <laughs> no, What's going on this yeah, week? I don't know. It's 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 pretty springtime. It's all yeah, fresh. Yeah, it's all tame. It's Just for Luc- Lucifery stuff. The right? Yeah, yeah healthy. You know? Yeah, it's very religious. It's a religious <laughs> right, thing. Yeah. yeah. Dogheim's guard. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, so news from around the world. Let's get to it. Uh, some interesting stories here. Treasure hunt for a meteorite. We got to find this meteorite. The treasure hunt is on for the remnants of a meteorite that streaked across the sky last week. It landed somewhere near the U.S. and Canadian, uh, U.S. and Canada border. Excuse me. The Maine Mineral and Gem Museum in Bethel is offering a twenty-five thousand dollar reward for the first chunk of this space rock weighing two point. Excuse me, 2.2 pounds or more. So it can't be just like a little shard. It's got to be a good chunk. And it's offering to pay for any fragment, though. Scientists are eager to study samples. Have that meteor. <laughs> so they that NASA tried to calculate the trajectory of it, and they said that it it's going to be near Cal- Calais, Maine. Calais. Oh yeah, probably Calais or something. Calais. Like that. Americans would probably say it that way, right? <laughs> right. Who knows. But uh, these are some uh, pictures of people up there on their snowmobiles trying to find the meteorite. That seems like it would be a pretty... Yeah, wouldn't it just melt (laughs) all the snow? I don't know how you're going to find that and how you would know it was a rock in that area anyway. I guess it would just stick out. Yeah, it looks pretty... That looks very promising. Pretty desolate. Especially if it was snowing still. Just covers it right up. I don't know. But it would, you know, of course, contain valuable information. Um, so I don't know if this is related, probably not, but a fungal in, uh, infection outbreak in Michigan at p- a paper mill. I guess it's a very big paper oh mill. Oh my goodness! Yeah, so 93 confirmed or probable cases of blastomycosis, mycosis, excuse me, have been identified in Michigan's Delta and Menominee. 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 According to the local wait, health wait, department. I'm looking, where's the? Uh, oh yeah. yeah. Menominee. Menominee. So. You're you're familiar with this area, right? Yeah. Is this an area that you know, like? Uh, well, that this like county? that's the upper Michigan Delta. Looks like it's, like it's the upper uh, peninsula up yep. there. 
Yeah, I mean, that's a beautiful area. So they say that this fungus, unfortunately, blastomycesis or whatever, lives in this environment, especially in the moist soil and decomposing matter like wood or leaves. There are only one or two cases per 100,000 people each year in the States, so this is why it's getting attention that there's 93 confirmed cases of this in, uh, in this small area, right? One analysis found that 1,200 deaths related to the illness from 1990 to 2010. So My goodness. It's, it's significant, but kind of under, I guess, I don't know, un- unknown, under We're going to have to look this one up. Blastomyces, what does it do to you? I mean, you're talking about the meteor and stuff, you know. I know. You ever seen that movie? Oh, what was it called? When I was a kid, I watched this movie, and a meteor hits in this place, and then... Everyone goes crazy and oh, like they. Oh yeah, you remember that? Yeah, it's, I, it does sound familiar. And like yes. the late, I remember the ladies down in the basement. She turns into a monster, right? And like they're like, oh God, man, was it that? was that. It was the media. I know, right? So that's what's blastomyces. That's, that's, that's why they're. That's why the, they need to find the media. <laughs> kidding us. That's why they're. They got the reward oh, out there. Man, that sucks. Crazy, yeah, I huh? freaking. All right, you know what else? The loopers are getting sick. Well, now you can't charge your phone at a um, charging station because your phone's going to get malware on it. Because the FBI says that these phone charging stations, public phone charging stations, there's uh, you know seen in airports and malls. Um, they're now being uh, investigated for spreading malware. malware and monitoring software. According to the FBI's recent tweet, it's advising consumers to use a charger and USB cord. Uh, you know, use an electrical outlet instead, but don't use these things. Apparently, they're able to get hacked, and people upload some kind of malicious software. Then you go and oh charge gosh. your phone, and it goes directly to your phone. Where it's just the USB right, right there. How? What? There's a computer inside of that thing? I guess. My gosh. There's something there. In ty- in I guess it must be. Some yeah, kind yeah. of a, um, you know, operating small yeah, operating system. Yeah, small of s- operating. Wow. I, I guess. Thank goodness. Isn't that crazy? The FBI is like, we just want to make sure you, you know that there's malware in there that like I bet you people we were put in. There. I know we did it actually, so we got found out and we have to cover our ass. No, <laughs> but I imagine that this was like people were coming home from wherever, like the airport, and then they have viruses and things going on, and they're like, "What the fuck happened?" And they ask him, "Where were you recently? What were you doing?" Oh, well, I was traveling. Did you use a phone charging station? Oh, actually, yes, I did. No, I guess not. Crazy, right? So don't do that. Um, This is a gross study, and I want to tell all of our listeners to brush their teeth. Because a study of 2,000 men, David, 18 to 42 years of age, only 54% brush their teeth every day. So 54%. And this Barely half. And this is in what population, I'd like to know. I don't know where the study was taken. It's like, I don't know. Can you believe in our study of 2,000 men in Appalachia only brushed their Let's hope it's not some rural area. Uh, well, actually, I would hope that it would be a rural I would, area. I, I would hope that, that this would not be in New York City. Yeah, I would hope it's, <laughs> a, it's the worst in areas where you have a hard time getting a hold of the toothpaste. Yeah, but it says even, you know, like, I, I, I don't care about the skincare routine, but they say, like, dates and a new job were motivating factors to actually start taking care of their their health. Yeah, I mean, their... I'm going to tell you, I don't think I've washed my face in 20 years. No, I mean, <laughs> the skincare part I don't care about. 
but the brushing the teeth. Yeah, it, I don't come care on, about guys. skincare routine. So, just gotta remind everyone, your gums Dude. are connected to your heart. Yeah, the health of and your, your gums brain is directly connected <laughs> to your brain and your heart. Take care. Yes, please. Do your flossing, and uh, you know, do us all a favor because uh, all you talk close, you know, close talkers and people oh, that yeah. like to whisper, you better be brushing your teeth uh, because this <laughs> robot dog is going to come and get you. As we move on to our next topic here, here's a picture of New York City Mayor with uh, the new member on their force, the a Digi robot dog. dog. It's called the Digi Dog, and they displayed it at Times Square at a press conference on Tuesday. This past uh, Tuesday, Boston Dynamics is the company that makes this uh, digital dog. 70-pound remote-controlled digi-dog will be re- uh, deployed in high-risk situations like hostage situations. Instead of sending police in there, you send digi-dog in there, Adam said. So these are smart uses of good technologies. So what do you think of this? Chris, have you seen these things move? They are freaky. Yes, I have. They, seen it is. I I can't remember. I'm trying to rack in my brain what it was that I watched recently, with uh, you know some little kid like come face to face with the digi dog. It was just eerie. Yep. It's just this. I mean, it really moves well. So, I will play devil's advocate. What do you think about this for like you know, bomb sniffing dogs, bomb diffusing? Hey, I think I think it's uh, I think it's one of those things that. <clears throat> we already have like bomb machines, but they're not—they're right? not agile and small, able to fit in small areas. Yeah, so this is like a this is a step up. It's an upgrade. We can go and climb in some spot. The other ones look like uh, yeah, they're big Johnny like Five. Yeah, whatever. exactly. They with like the big tracks on yep, them. Yep, yep. Um, so I don't know. I just don't want to see these patrolling around the street. That's that's the, that's the next step, right? Yeah, is that they. They say they're they for start bombs. With this. Yeah, they start with oh, it's for bombs and for um, you know hostage situations. But now cops are going to be rolling around with them, you know, in five, ten years from now as their own little dogs, right, or something like that. Yeah, or they're just like get rid of the cops. We'll just have the dogs do it. Just have the robot dogs out They'll there do their thing. <laughs> I mean, I, I, th- I could, know, they could put a little bit of fur on them or something. I know. Make it them doesn't sparkly, look very dog-like. Like, make them sparkly. It doesn't look dog-like at all. It looks like more like a... It looks like a bumblebee. <laughs> yeah. <it's> like <laughs> or like some sort of something. beetle. <laughs> I don't know. Not a dog. A Digimantis. Uh, yeah, Pokemon maybe. All right. So this was funny, and uh, this is going to be the last... I think this is the last story of the week here. Yes, it is. Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. So for us here in California, we remember Arnold as our governor. Right, the governor. That was a a big deal. I remember when I went to school in Toronto in 2004, we had President Bush as our president and uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger as our governor, and so that was a that's a hard hard sell to a lot of other countries. Yeah, they're like, what? <laughs> what are you? What doing? are you guys doing over there? What's going on? What you know? And I'm like, well, we've improved since know. then, haven't we? <laughs> yeah, sure. I don't know, but. Arnold is still on the job. He's still working for the people, David, as evidenced by this new video that we are going to see of Arnold with his neighbors in his very nice upscale Hollywood area home. They took it upon themselves to fix a pothole. This pothole has been troubling this residence in the area for weeks, according to Arnold and all the people, right? But the thing is, just looking at this picture, that seems like a rather large pothole, right? 
Usually yeah. potholes like a little chunk, like a circle. This seems to be a long, you know. Like a trench or yeah, something. Yeah, almost like a trench. Yeah, turns out it was actually a a trench, a service trench <laughs> that he decided to fill up. And now the They're city like of not Los done Angeles, working. <laughs> they weren't done working on this <laughs> trench. This. And so he, they took it upon themselves to fill it up. And we're going to see the video here of Arnold and his neighbors uh, doing the work. Public service. Doing the work here of of what everybody wanted to do in the neighborhood. They were just fed up with it. So we're going to we're going to watch this video here of Arnold and his neighbors filling this service stretch. Now, is this music that he added? Yes. Well, well, well. Welcome. <laughs> you welcome. We have to do it yourself. I mean, this is crazy. For three weeks I've been waiting for this order to close. Yeah. Thank you. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My spare. Yeah, get it done. My spare steamroller. Yeah. Put the dirt on top. DIY. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, now they're gonna have to come and take all that out of yeah, there because take it's it a all fucking out. service, <laughs> fucking trench, <You> moron. <laughs> God, just unreal, dude. Man, that's why people can do, do attitude. Kind of like this, it, to me, it's like a perfect example of these people. Like, yeah, let's take it into our own hands. We're getting it done. This government's just a bunch of BS. They're not listening they to can't us. Can't serve us. Well, this is the this is the thing is like you know every once in a while you'll notice Caltrans doing something that doesn't make much sense. You know they'll have a, very true. You know we had a street right over by my house that they redid the whole thing, right? It looked beautiful, and then a few weeks later they came in and started cutting into the road and putting in lines. I'm <laughs> like, why did they do that after? <laughs> yeah, why, yeah. Like why did, why did they do that before? Um, and so you know there's there's some stuff like that, but it, it makes you think. Okay, yeah. What we've got to do is we've just got to be better at doing doing our government, engaging more in the democratic process. But I agree. taking it in your own hands, this whole like vigilante attitude. That's what I'm why saying. Why didn't you call and find out what was going on <laughs> no, rather than just filling no, it in? Just going to do it. And he's got his like fancy car here parked with like some cones. The cones. Just, he's yes. just as good as the government. <laughs> it's just... And you know what? I have to say, like people working out there and doing this stuff, it's really hard work. Yes. Doing it once for fun is not the same yes. as doing it every job. single day out in the heat of California. Very and true. Very true. So, sorry, sorry, uh, <laughs> Gubernator. I'm gonna I'm gonna give it to Caltrans and city workers. Yeah. So look at uh, and then Caltrans had to, um, uh, or city of Los Angeles had to reply to all this, and they said, "quote This location is not a pothole." It's a service trench <laughs> that relates to active, permitted work being performed by the location by SoCal, SoCal Gas, Gas, who expects the work to be completed at the end of May. As in the case with similar That's really projects, dangerous. as in the case with similar projects impacting city streets, SoCal Gas will be required to repair the area once their work is complete. So now they have to go back and take all this shit out of there 
and finish their work and then go and do it. So. Well, and what did it? I wonder. I wonder what it looked like right at the beginning. It didn't. I don't know, man. It didn't look that bad. To be honest. That's what I'm wondering is if it was just like a little dip down, yeah, and looks, so they thought, okay, well, I, it's fine honestly, for now. Look at look at what we're talking here. Like, yeah, it looks like, like a like little dip down, and deep. do they have like maybe some sand filling it in so that it looks for like the time there was a bunch, being, yeah, like a you could drive over it. It's okay, but now you got to pull that, all that look stuff at that. out. That's not that bad. Yeah, I mean, we're talking like an inch deep there. Well, and he's got a big. Uh, Tahoe or whatever. It's got the four by four. How is this inconveniencing you? Yeah. So every time I drive my <laughs> low rider through here, I, I drive my I low rider. Drive my yeah, sixty-nine Chevrolet low rider is horrible. <laughs> That's it for us this week, guys. Everything at rocknewsweekly.com. All socials at rocknewsweekly. Watch us live every Sunday. Twitch.tv/rocknewsweekly around two p.m. And on demand, youtube.com at Rock News Weekly. We'll see you guys next week. Have a good one. All right. Peace. See you later. See you later.